This is Don't Panic, episode number 15, recorded September 23rd, 2013, on Touch ID Hacks, Steam on Linux, and Crispy Chips. Good evening, and uh, welcome. It is not Tuesday night, it is Monday night, and that now means only one thing. That's right, it is Don't Panic, and we are here to uh, make your life that much better. Uh, I am Sean Jennings, uh, trying to plug my headphones in, and being joined, as always, by the fantastic and wonderful Dan Miller. Dan, how you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited to be going before Colby for the first time in the history of Don't Panic. That can't be right. Is that true? Beside myself. Uh, intentionally, I think it's where I wasn't here. Well, no, that, yeah. I was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true, that's true. And of course, thank you, Dan. And of course, uh, as sometimes Colby Rabadoo. Colby, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, I am excited because uh, a we're now on Monday nights. Yay! The it's best Monday night, night of the tech. week. That's right, because who doesn't love Mondays? Except that damn Garfield cat. But that guy was a jerk. <laughs> uh, so uh, our usual housekeeping stuff. We are now Monday nights, 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that is 8 p.m. Pacific, um, 9 p.m. Mountain Time, I don't know. Um, and we are live online on our website, don'tpanic.io. Click the Listen Live link. Not only can you uh, watch the video there, but you can hang out with us in the chat room. We're there right now. Give us your questions, your feedback, chit-chat with us. We get a lot of good stuff there. Uh, and, of course, if you can't listen live... It's, it's going to be okay because uh, it is always available after the fact, audio and video, usually within a day or two, on our website, don'tpanic.io. And you definitely got to check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash don'tpanicshow. Not only are we going to update you when we're live and shows are published, but we have a new feature where every week we're going to condense the show down to about two minutes, give you the brief version uh, before you sit through us dragging on for an hour. So uh, you can check that out on our Facebook page as well. And also... Like I'm, the whole show is going to be me updating people on what we're doing. We are now on a little place called iTunes. Whoa. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, no. It is a a software. It's terrible and it doesn't work well, but it now contains Don't Panic Show. Uh, you can go on to the iTunes store, search Don't Panic. Uh, you can also find links on our Facebook page uh, as well. So definitely subscribe. Get us every single week delivered straight to your device. I can't wait for 30 years from now when like you'll we'll get that post on whatever the 30 years from now hacker news is where it's like take a look at the uh, the original iTunes 11 source code. Check out what terrible things it does. If you have more than 2000 songs, it searching for something takes 15 seconds. <laughs> I can't wait for that. It's going to take a while. It's going to we're just now like really looking at like the original Apple source, but someday we'll all have a laugh. Someday we'll all know. <laughs> yes, we will. Well, speaking of Apple, I can't think of a better transition than that, uh, because we're going to move on to our first story. No theme this week, we're just talking the news, and I can't think of bigger news than Apple, of course. Uh, we talked last week about, uh, no, two weeks ago, about the launch of the iPhone. Now iOS 7 is out, and the first big story um, comes out of the Chaos Computer Club. Uh, this is a hacking group of hackers 
uh, and they are claiming that they have defeated Apple's Touch ID. Now, how you may wonder, uh, not via software. They actually managed to do it um, in using hardware. Uh, just briefly what they did, and you can find out more on their website, um, but essentially what they did was they took a photograph of someone's fingerprint that had you could the smudge on the screen uh, at 2400 DPI. They uh, laser printed it onto a transparent sheet, added a little uh, latex onto that, and um, that was about it. Made it a little moist and stuck it right on there and boop, boop, hacked it right away. Um, so we had a big discussion when we, 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 this was first rumored and then again when it was announced. Uh, is fingerprinting a good idea on a mobile device like a phone? Uh, Dan, what does this Here, mean? Here's what it comes down to. Uh, before this, no one had to do that to get into your device. They had to know a four-digit code or watch you type it in or just press the button that turns the screen on because you don't have a lock on it. Now, if you have one of these, you probably do have the lock on it because it's so easy and it's so much fun. I did it in the Apple Store. In the Apple Store, they actually let you set the fingerprint thing and then it just removes it after you turn the screen off. But it was really cool. Like, you got to see your fingerprint and stuff. Really awesome. Uh, but now, if someone wants to break into one of those phones, they have to go through all that effort and time and money. Like, that's an improvement. It's, security isn't perfect. Security is layered. Yeah. I mean, you also have to have, like, a, you know, a 2400 DPI printer, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's not cheap, I don't think. You know what the bill of sale and all that stuff would be, Sean? <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I have to, you know, this is not an everyday, you know, oh, I wonder if my girlfriend's cheating on me type thing um, <laughs> where you're going to try and break to the phone using this. It's not for that. I mean, I remember a couple years ago, of course, my number one source for scientific information, the Mythbusters, um, did a fantastic episode on biometrics and fingerprint scanners, and they used basically this exact same method and said even the most high-tech there's always some layer of method of overcoming it, but I absolutely agree with what Dan said, is that, you know, no security is perfect, and I think I think people realize that, oh, now that it has a fingerprint, it's impenetrable. I, I think, I like to think people are smarter than that, and realize mm -hmm. that fingerprinting is more of a convenience than a high-tech security measure. I mean, obviously it's secure, but it's really more about the convenience of just being able to touch it and not having to put in your password. I, I think this actually, the Chaos Computer article, is actually brings up a really interesting point I hadn't thought of. Uh, it says, iPhone users should avoid protecting sensitive data with their biometric fingerprint, not only because it can be faked, as they demonstrated, but also you can uh, be forced to unlock your phone against your will when being arrested. Forcing you to give up your passcode is much harder under many jurisdictions and require um, more layers. And and I and I thought about that for a second, and I go, you know, that actually makes sense. You know, they can physically take your hand and force you to put your thumb on it, uh, but they can't force you to recite the code. Again, I don't think that applies to most people, but it is an interesting point. Mm -hmm. But so I. I think that, like, I was under the impression that most places, like, if you get pulled over or something, if you don't have a lock on your phone, it's, like, 
it's like fair game, like the cost can just look, which yep. is, seems pretty messed up to me. Um, but if you do have a lock on your phone, they can't. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, believe it or not, that's actually the reason why I have a passcode on my phone. There's nothing very valuable or, or anything on there, but it's just kind of that I didn't. I never thought about having a passcode on until uh, I read somewhere that that's the case. So I don't know if the fingerprint makes it any, you know, more or less easy. But I think it's pretty easy. And there have been videos and articles going around about, um, you know, there's a video of a guy using his cat's paw to unlock it. And you know, I think there's a video somewhere of a girlfriend, and it's her sleeping boyfriend, and you know, she takes the the hand and puts. You know, I mean, obviously. Did you see the nipple one? No, there's a guy. I read the headline. A guy who unlocks it with his nipple. You know, it's it's cool. And Apple, you know, from everything I've read, has done it much better than many other companies. But you know, I think it's a perfect point that uh, security is layered. And yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely not a like a panacea of of personal security technology, but um, I was kind of like, I guess we'll see what happens in the weeks to come, but I'm like, I'm kind of glad it's not easier than that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like could have been a lot worse. Right, and then it would have just been another, like, flopped fingerprint reader BS. Oh, yeah, I mean, there are some fingerprint readers that you can just take a laser printer and just print out a flat black and white image and it'll take it. So, right. you know, having to go through this much effort, at least prove something. I mean, obviously, you know, hacker groups like this, they're going to do anything they can to try and bypass it. That's their goal, regardless of how impractical it is. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, like, if you're really worried about stuff like that, I guess the solution is to just have a passcode. The option is there. Again, I think it's a convenience thing. That's Definitely. that's first and foremost. I mean, it's better than no password, but... Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think, like, at this point, that's that's... They did. If that's if that's the best way, or if that's the only way to subvert it, or the easiest way to subvert it, I think they that's a relatively successful endeavor. <laughs> Agreed. Well Colby, done. I, Sip I, the tea there. I love Colby. Believe it or not, I Colby. I had my pinky out, but I didn't like. I didn't have have it up. In, mm. When I was going through last week's episode editing out the two minutes, Colby loves to take pauses in his sentences, usually at that last word. So it's so much fun to try and edit him, because it'll just be him talking and then pause. (laughs) And then he'll finish. It's fun. That's a drinking game for all you at home. I don't want to fuck it up. When Colby pauses in the middle of his sentence, drink. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So uh, unless there are any other specific thoughts uh, on Touch ID... Um, why don't we move on to iOS 7 as a whole? Uh, it's been out a little less than a week uh, to the public, although some of us have been using it a little longer. Um, so I just wanted to get, you know, I know we've talked iOS to death uh, in the last couple shows, but I just wanted to see if anyone, I had a few observations, but I want to see if you guys had any observations now that you're using it on a daily basis, the final release. I, I The design works a lot better than I looks like it does. It makes me really happy. I don't know. It's nice colors. The default wallpapers are really snazzy looking. Uh, and when you start to get all the apps that use it, something that someone pointed out to me, I don't know if this is scientifically true, but it seems like 
more apps have already adopted the new iOS 7 visual language than have adopted the two-year-old Android 4.0 visual language, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, and apps are even releasing new versions specifically that only convert to this, and they're not going to develop the old ones anymore. And you rebuy it, and people are still buying it. Uh, so I think that's an interesting commentary. Yeah. I really... I'm... I'm... I think the lock screen is awesome. I think it's just, like, actually... Like, you know, Apple always says their stuff is beautiful, but I think the lock screen is actually beautiful. Um, and, like, it's just, like, it's your whole picture. It's whatever picture you have. It's the whole thing. It's awesome. That's so Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Instead of, like, before it was, like, half the screen and the other half was Chrome. Um, yep, yep. That's like, Not I mean, literally Chrome, but UI... Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, um, and that's like that's fine, but um, you know it, it it's so nice, and I mean the the control. What's the what's the thing at the bottom called? Like the control, control center, control draw. Yeah, control center maybe. I mean that's 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 sweet. Yeah, um, that is something Android. I don't think Android has had it by default, but a lot of Android skins include it. Does Android have it by default? I guess you have it. Yeah, default. it does. Um, yeah. The the it, Samsung one, I think it's Samsung's own because it's really ugly. Yeah, <laughs> on Android, it's built into the uh, notification center, so it's not separate like you see here. We go. Okay. Um, you know. I said a hundred thousand times, I'm gonna hate this. I'm gonna hate this. I'm gonna hate oh, this. Oh yeah, what do you think? I did. I, I was Mister Hater. Um, I, I on a one to ten scale, which is how I have to quantify everything. Ten being okay. the the best thing I've ever seen. I'm kind of. I would say the old iOS for me was like a seven. This for me is like a seven and a half, eight, closer to an eight. So it's a marked improvement, but it's not a perfect 10. Mm -hmm. um, the reason, and I set up the over-the-shoulder camera because I just wanted to highlight a few things that um, I particularly liked. So let me switch to the... Uh, da -da, ba -ba -ba -ba. Um, for one, I don't like the dock. I think it, it's, really? it's very weird to me with the frosted glass behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, that bothers me. I don't like... I find it... Well, before I get to the stuff I don't like, I want to highlight one app in particular that I think did a really great job converting to the iOS 7 design. Mm -hmm. um, and I wish I knew somebody who worked on their team so yeah. I could explain to them how great of a job they did. Yeah. Um, it's a little company called Facebook, mm -hmm. and I am very critical of all the stuff they do, in case yeah. you haven't noticed. And I think they have done just a phenomenally outstanding job on the iOS 7-ification of their app. There's no more of that kind of side tray you have to swipe to. It's all kind of right here in front of you, including this obvious more button that brings up a really just sort of clean menu. Yep. And I just think that with kind of the blue that blurs up into the top, I think it's just yeah, more yeah. inviting and engaging to users. And I've actually enjoyed, I you know, you wouldn't think a little design thing would do, but I've actually enjoyed using the app more, I think. 
Um, little, I little design things do that more than almost anything else. They do, and that's kind of the <laughs> biggest thing. Yeah, so props to the Facebook team, whoever you are. Um, I'll, I'll let but, those guys know. Please do. <laughs> a lot of people worked really hard on that. And it, no, and it shows, and, I'm, and I love when design goes good, and that's kind of the thing I would say kind of overall about um, iOS 7 is that I don't care for any of the big new design stuff. I care about all the little tweaks that make it that. For example, when you clo- when you open an app in a folder and then you hit the home button, it doesn't take you home. It takes you back to the folder and then takes you and then you hit the home again and it takes you back to the home screen. I prefer that. It's li- it's like the little tiny things like I've barely used c- the control center quite honestly. I don't use it that much, but what I do like is um, if you're playing audio, on the lock screen, you used to have to double tap the home button to get the play control. It's on by default. You know, yeah. it's things like it's. I the didn't even things. notice that, but you're right. I forgot. And it's that great. That used I, to be how the world was. Because I use it like mounted up in the car, and it's great. You know, it's a lot of like they sat down and they really looked no, at it and they said, the "Fucking auto update apps, holy shit." That's great. <laughs> Android has had that forever, though I think. Yeah, I know, but it's well, awesome. Like it. You has know. Had to me, I mean, iOS has always had that stuff, though, that, like, you know, you were waiting for the next release for them to fix. Didn't you not even have an update all button for a long time on iOS? Yeah. Yeah, probably. You had to, like, press them all individually. I mean, it, it just seems to me like... I'm just really... I enjoy you, and it doesn't matter to me that Android had it first, as long as iOS has it, you know? I agree. And... Overall, iTunes Radio, I actually like. I haven't used it a ton. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So, <laughs> I, well, I was hanging around the other day listening to music I had on here, and I'm like, well, screw it, I, it's free. And it's, and it actually does a pretty good job of doing kind of, it doesn't have as much flexibility as a Spotify or Pandora. They kind of just take control for you. But I find mm-hmm. they actually do a pretty good job mm-hmm. um, of of matching artists and stations and you know if you say play artists like this they actually are pretty I for a second could have sworn I was listening to what I already had on here because it was all stuff I already liked. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, I'm sure like I'm sure Apple's been working on the the music problem for a much longer than Spotify or Pandora's have ever been a thing. So I'm I'm sure their their like meta metadata on on that stuff is pretty robust. So. Now I'll, the, the only thing that they don't do that I want is I want them, because Apple basically already knows all the music I have, just create one station based upon all the things I have and just say, this is what you will like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do that and I'll be satisfied. The other things I've noticed about the upgrade are some apps are buggy and crash and that they didn't do that when I had before iOS 7. I don't know if that's just because they haven't updated or what. Yeah. Um, and I'm not getting as good a battery life, and I think that's something in the settings because they changed some of the background app stuff. Yeah, um, I mean the the battery life thing though. That's like that happens every iOS, and then the first update they they release, it gets better. That's what I anticipate. But outside of that, I'm I'm pretty. And actually, I was someone I work with, an older lady, uh, got her first smartphone. And it's an iPhone 4S, and and she's like, you know, I'm just learning this. Like she had, what she just set up her email. Like she's brand new. And I said, go write and download iOS 7 right now before you learn anything <laughs> about iOS 6. Because while it's not radically different, 
you will be thrown off. Yeah, it's different enough. It is, especially for the common user. So overall, I'm I'm pretty happy, and you know, I'm always thinking in the back of my head, if I had to buy a phone today, or recommend to someone to buy a phone today, what would I recommend? And before iOS 7, I was I was really on the fence. I was I was basically 50-50 between Android and um, an iPhone. And if Verizon had a decent Windows phone, I'd consider it, but they don't. Um, but with this, I, I actually skew more towards the iPhone. And if I had to buy a phone today, it would probably be the 5S. Cool. Yeah, I think um, my, <laughs> my phone is, is nearing the end of its lifespan. Like, my my home button is is slowly deteriorating. Its performance <laughs> is no longer up to par. <clears throat> um, it, it turns out, though... Pro tip, you can turn on accessibility mode if your home button stops working, and you can use the phone entirely without the home button. Yeah, I've seen that before, which is <laughs> cool. I'm not to that point yet. <laughs> but I, I am thinking I'm probably going to get a 5S. Uh, or maybe a 5C. I don't, I don't think so. Mm. Are you going to get it in gold? No. They sold out they, of gold. You can't get them anywhere. Good, I don't want it. <laughs> um, I think it's silly. But... I, I will probably just get the black one. Space gray, to... Colby. Space gray. Space gray, sorry. Space Maybe gray. White. Who knows? We'll see how I'm feeling. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, no more Apple. I promise. All right. We're done. No, no we're done. We're going to move on to something um, these guys know a lot about. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to point the right. These guys know a lot about, and I know absolutely nothing about, and that would be Linux, and that would be SteamOS. So yes. many of you, uh, find, this is right up Dan's alley. Look at him, he just perked right up. <laughs> like a shot of caffeine. Uh, so many of you may know uh, the fine company called Steam that provides uh, software for computers, that provides games to people. No, no, no. It, it, it supplies ridiculously cheap games twice a year that you spend all your money on and never and play. And they never play. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's a decent business model. <laughs> yeah, I, works. I don't even have to deliver the content to you because you never download it. So uh, for a long time, they've been the destination for uh, PC gaming. Um, and just like every other company and their brother, um, they're looking to move into the living room, the future of technology. Uh, and for a long time, they've uh, definitely been hinting at they wanted to do that. Um First, uh, in, well, in two parts. The first being Steam Box, which is the physical box, and uh, Steam OS, the operating system that runs on it. Well, today, uh, actually, they're going to have announcements all week, which is going to be interesting, so we'll follow up more next week. But today, actually, they announced Steam OS, the operating system that's going to run on this future uh, to be announced probably this week, Steam Box, that is based on Linux, and I know nothing more than that. So I don't know if you guys have read about this. Oh yeah. Uh, so so talk so, talk talk about what this is and and why it matters. Um. Please. So for a couple years since before the release of Windows 8, Gabe Newell I think is the founder of Steam, and he came out early on against Windows 8. I think initially because of the Windows 8 store. Uh. Does anyone know if that was true or not? Or maybe think, it was just... It was partially that, and I think it was partially just the um, design aesthetics. Yeah, he didn't like it. Uh, and part of it might be the business model of uh, Microsoft would now be competing with Steam in the selling games 
for download on Windows space, yeah. which is probably a bad place to be in when you're on that company's operating system. Uh, part of it might just simply be that he didn't like it. But he said early on, he was like, Linux is going to be the future. And everyone was like, okay, they don't even have Steam for Linux yet. And then first, I think, they made big picture mode so that you could hook a computer running Windows up to a TV and put Steam in big picture mode, and it would be like like an Apple TV, Google TV interface with nice big buttons that would be easy to control. And then shortly after that, they came out with Linux, Steam, and they ported a bunch of their own really heavy hitter titles over that, like uh, Team Fortress 2 and Half-Life 2, uh, and a bunch of indie games, like a lot of stuff you'd see on Humble Bundle, Humble Bundle are also available through Steam on Linux. So now... It has long been rumored that... And didn't they announce something at E3 or show, like, a black box or something? They, they had a did. box. And they gave a few interviews, but that was about it. They had a box that was completely nondescript that, for all purposes, was a Linux computer in big picture mode running Steam. I think they were just trying to show off big picture mode. But it was kind of clear from that point that that was what they wanted to do. And now... Uh, they're announcing that they have this whole operating system called SteamOS, which is just Linux with Steam pre-installed, uh, that you'll hook up to your TV just like you would a console and play video games. Uh, so the uh, trick, the catch, is that it's going to maybe take a lot of buy-in from other developers, like, I don't know, people who make Bioshock and Grand Theft Auto, and, uh, you know, Quake. Although I think Quake already runs on Linux. But uh, some of these kind of console-first developers, which I imagine are still a really big part of the PC game market to buy into the Steambox idea and port their games to Linux, which isn't easy, I would imagine, especially if you never thought of doing that before you started the project. Uh, So that's where they're at. I want one just for the philosophy of it, uh, and because I think Valve's a, a company that tries to do right. Uh, but yeah, that's all I know. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. I think it's, I mean, I think Steam's great, and you know, I don't. Historically, I've had a Mac since I was 16, so. I kind of, like, forfeited a lot of gaming that I could have been doing. Um, but, I mean, I mean, you know, Steam does have a Mac support for the titles that support it, and I think it's, like, it's a great, like, store. Yeah. I think they have a pretty big user base. Yeah. Um... So if if they can get some like big name developers on board, I I feel like there are also a lot of people who would do it on principle, you know, which is not going to be enough to make it affect the <laughs> bottom line in any way. I I can't imagine. No, no. But <laughs> I I guess like people or well, you know, we're talking about it now because we believe in it in principle. Yeah. So I guess there's that. Uh, I didn't read the Verge article. I read. 
I think I just read the like their page that they put up, uh, but they make some good points in here. One of the things that that has always been awesome about PC gaming and has never really made it to consoles is this idea of user created content. So, yeah, not only would players in the PC world like affect the world, like creating maps and Counter Strike, for example, like. It's still the game, and the game allows you to do that, but you're creating these whole new things. Or like uh, Warcraft 3, where the uh, custom map building tool was so powerful that people created whole new games on top of Warcraft 3 that have since become bestsellers like League of Legends and whatever Dota stands for. Uh, And then the whole idea of mods, where you just change the entire game out from under itself. Uh, because you can, and that that was always the big draw for me uh, in PC world. Besides the fact that the games were like so much more uh, full featured and rich, because computers are always more awesome than the current gen consoles are. But this idea of user generated content, something that never made it to consoles. So it would be cool to see it make it to consoles in the disguise of Linux computers. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm definitely all for it. Like, I wonder... I hope it comes out soon. I don't know. Maybe well, Christmas. That would be a good Christmas present for myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of... Obviously, they haven't announced the actual box itself yet. Um, yeah. Their next announcement is uh, to Wednesday, so we'll oh. find out then. Um, I just think it's going to be interesting, A, if they can get the games, obviously. Mm. Um, you know, if you don't have games, you're dead in the water. Um, right. And having to program for Linux is a whole other ball game. And actually, I think it'll be interesting if they just... Um, no, no, because they... It's going to be weird, because... Well, what's on your mind, Sean? I'm just like, because I want to say, well, will this cause developers to abandon developing for Windows and only develop for Linux? Because why do both? But then, if people still want to run games on their computers, which are running Windows, yeah, you're still going to have to do both. So then, what's the advantage of them doing it for Linux, except that they're going to be on the? I just, I think that's kind of a weird balance game. Uh, definitely one of the advantages. Part of the announcement, they're saying that the boxes will have a uh, built-in home streaming, similar to the NVIDIA Shield, where they will wirelessly stream existing PC games from your PC to uh, your box connected to your TV. So that's at least part of it, of course. You have to make sure you have us, you know, powerful enough computer gamers usually do um, to handle that. Uh, Also coming to uh, Steam OS is streaming video and music services. Um, and apps and all that good stuff as well, media yeah, stuff. In my experience, though, if you're, uh, there are very few games that come out for Windows and not for consoles. Is that a, a fair yeah. statement? Yeah. So, and those are going to be, except maybe the, with the exception of the Xbox, those are going to be wildly different uh, architectures. So, if you're already thinking in your project, in your game development project, that you're going to be having a Windows version and a PlayStation 3 version and an Xbox 360 version, it, you're probably making the correct decisions to make having a Linux version not that much more work. You already have three different versions. Uh, that's 
I don't. In my experience, that's been true, but I've never written a game. Uh, it's when you don't do. Uh, it's when you don't think about those things in advance, and then you try to do it later that it becomes impossible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the other point I was going to make, and then we'll we'll move on, but was that it, it, Valve doesn't have th- uh, the household common man name recognition of an Xbox or a PlayStation, and I think it, that means they're going to have a limited launch market, and that means a more difficult path for developers to justify why they should write for it. So it'll be interesting. The other thing uh, I want to quickly note, again, um, Steam OS and Steam Box, three models they're uh, rumored to be building, um, but we will find out more on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that, and we'll probably mention it on next week's show, but we are going to move on to another story. Uh, what story do you guys want to do next? Hmm. Don't all jump at once. Um, can we do the human memory and the internet thing? We can do... Colby, tell me all about this wonderful article from Slate. <laughs> okay, so so for a while now, I've been, I've been thinking about, like, like, I don't know, kind of that, like, I almost don't even know things anymore, right? Like, my, my brain is just like a, a semi-consistent look-aside cache for the internet. Right? <laughs> a read-through buffer, if you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, what, 50% of the time the data's wrong. Ah. <laughs> but, we got this, the C and the P of the cap theorem. Or the A and the P. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, basically, the idea being, like, the Internet is our, our this pool of our, R and R being humanity's collective knowledge, right? And, and like, I'm nearly directly connected to that and I'm only getting more connected to that and I just store like useful bits in my brain and the rest of it I can just go out and find some other way um, and then today I was perusing the internet and and this article came up that was essentially well saying something has a similar premise um, but basically they're saying that it's not that we don't remember things anymore. Um, we still remember stuff. We still know things, certainly. We know how to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not getting getting dumber in that sense. But but the Internet has become like... Or, or search engines have become almost like another... A very intelligent person in our social circles. So their, their idea is that typically like we use we we use the people around us to know to find out things that we don't know so say you know you're out at dinner with your friends and you you know we used to do this all the time like you you someone has a question about something so you ask your friends and chances mm-hmm. are among six people one of them might know the answer or at that's least how twitter works that. right what's up that's how twitter works right I don't know. I don't know what it. What's Twitter? Uh, never mind. <laughs> um, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, crap, man! You totally killed my killed my I'm train. Sorry. You jerk. <laughs> um, so anyway, among all your on. friends, among all your friends, you right. ask so, all of them, so, and chances are someone will know the information you're looking for. 
Exactly. And so they, they bring up studies where people who, who learn how to do something in a group and then are later tested on it in the same group um, end up performing better because different people in the group remember different things, right? So they can all ask each other, and between all of them, they, they can come up with an answer fairly quickly. So I, I guess the, the, their hypothesis or, or premise is that the Internet has become either, like, in, in a sense, another friend in your group that you can ask questions, but it's, it <laughs> obviously has a much larger capacity than, than Sean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sean's capacity was pretty limited as it was. Yeah. It's a, it's a problem. Thank, thank goodness it's for Google, I would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that's my story. I was super excited to see that, because I've been thinking about that forever. And forever, I mean, like, six months, but long enough. It's it's interesting. I read a, um, this was a while back, but, uh, you know, obviously some university did a study or something. They found that the average human can have about 150 people in their sort of social circle that they know. And outside of 150 people, it's very unnatural for us, and that's why we don't remember that many names. Because yeah. and they believe it's because human tribes used to you know never used to get beyond that 150 number, and so in this age where we know a ton of people, especially in social media, where we know way more, um, it's interesting that our brains are having to adjust on how to do that, and technology does it, and it's the same theory here with memory, and that our minds can only contain so much information, so why contain stuff that's you know save room for more important things. You know, mm-hmm. that's I, I think that's I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think it's an interesting thing, and I think it uh, I think it you know warrants future study. I don't know. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't. The, I got I got the sense that that they were saying just the opposite. Like we don't actually remember less, right? But we remember we, differently. Right. We we remember differently, but. In a sense, we're smarter. Like we don't remember any less, but we know more because we're our 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 knowledge is augmented by by. When you the remove web. the ne- when you remove the necessity for knowing facts and specific information, that leaves room for more uh, I- ideas and more uh, free thinking and more uh, conceptual well, no, things. No, it's not even that though. It's like it's it's we still know facts and stuff, but we can just know more facts because we have near instant access to them. So so we're just like we're better off without being any worse off. Well, like we're not losing anything, we just mm-hmm. get stuff. This cool. This kind of reminds me of the uh uh the founder of Khan Academy did a TED talk where he talks about this idea or maybe it wasn't him, but there's this idea that especially in math, instead of doing typical mathy things like, you know, learning this concept until you know it dead cold and then moving on to the next one where you kind of have a more synthetic approach where you like a, a, a brief overview of a bunch of things and then some really hard problems but you can use anything you want to do it sort of thing and you get the uh, synthesis of like Solving a really hard problem using well, losing a bunch of tools. That's you yeah. know 
not easy, but it's uh, thinking at a scale that you you just couldn't think if you were forcing yourself to remember and know all the underlying stuff first. So, yeah, interesting. We'll have to see where this goes. My brain hurts. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Sean's upset. Sean's I'm, upset. I'm upset. Drink. That's part of the drinking game. When I get upset, take a drink. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that is it for our stories this week. A lot of outstanding discussion, but it's time we move on to our picks. And I want to do something interesting this week, okay? Which I don't think is going to work in my favor, but we're going to give it a shot. We have two people in the chat room right now. Two? Uh, Mr. Odecker and Ted is awesome. <laughs> I know, I did that on purpose. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and they've been chatting with us all episode, and we really appreciate them. So... We're going to go through the three picks, and we're going to have them pick the best pick. They're going to vote. Each each of them, guys, if you're listening, we're going to have you vote in the chat room, uh, and you're going to pick a winner. So we're I getting competitive. they vote for the same thing. If, well, or we could have a split. <laughs> one, either way, one person well, is definitely maybe losing. We should vote. Between the five of us, we should be able to pick a winner. Yeah, but, well, yeah, all right, we can do that. So I, we'll like, five I, votes. I like that idea, though. It's not... A competition to see who wins. It's a competition to see who doesn't lose. <laughs> I'm excited. So, guys, this is in your hands, but we're going to move on to our picks, and I'm going to jump in and go first um, with another non-tech pick like last week, and that's because I don't live in Silicon Valley or the Big Apple like these guys. I'm not around technology, so I don't get the cool, fun, exciting new stuff. <laughs> so I have to get creative. I swear, I go around. People don't people don't know new things where I am. So I'm going with a non-tech pick, okay? And it solves a practical problem. How many times has this happened to you, okay? You're sitting there enjoying your delicious uh, bacon cheddar pretzel pieces. Uh, wow. and, and you're like, mm, oh, those are horrific. And they uh, and so you're eating them, and then you're done, and you kind of do one of these. Right? You ever do that? Yeah. And then you, yep. you stick it in the drawer, and then you come back the next day, and they're like that. Yeah. And they're getting all gross, or you have, like, some clip that only holds about that much of it, right? Yeah. There is a solution, people, and they are called... And now I have to flip cameras again. And they are called seal sticks. Seal sticks. Wow. Seal Team 6. Seal sticks. S-E-A-L-S-T-I-X, and they are available on uh, Amazon. And they're really neat, and they're much better than a clip. So the way they work is you just take your bag, you kind of fold it over in half, and then you just slide this clip in. It doesn't look easy. Oh, no, it's easy. And believe it or not, it does take a little bit of getting the hang of it. But what it does... <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Um... So what this does is it actually pinches the bag shut inside of the little O. And, I mean, it's it's sealed. It is, like, crazy, like, mm-hmm. there's nothing coming out. And it's airtight, and I've had it... When you buy the set, it comes with three of them, so you get three different sizes, a large, a medium, and a small. Mm-hmm. I have been using these for about two, three weeks. They have absolutely unequivocally extended the life of all the terrible chips and pretzels I eat, which I shouldn't. It is a great product, and they are on Amazon, and you get the three of these for $7.50 with Prime shipping. 
So wait, what you're saying is that seal sticks make you fatter? They do, <laughs> and all for a reasonable cool. price. So great. this is America. That's that's great. This is a practical right. problem. I think affects most people. Um, and so go out. I highly recommend these. Keep your chips lasting longer with Seal Sticks. S E A L S T I X, and they are available on Amazon now. So get, give it a pick. Uh, keep keep your keep your terrible pretzels uh, nice and nice and tasty and crisp and not stale. So that is my pick this week. Um, but maybe we should move on to something a little more, I don't know, technology-oriented. Um, and uh, we'll go down the list here, and we'll go to Colby. Woo! What is this right, thing so, you speak of? So um, a while ago, the people who make BitTorrent, uh, which is that thing that everyone uses quite happily to down, to pirate music. And, no, 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 to uh, distribute Linux distributions. Right, yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, I downloaded something on BitTorrent recently that was totally legitimate, and it, it blew my mind. I forget what it was, and I wish I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, without getting into the nitty-gritty of it, it's a peer-to-peer file sharing service. So that means when you're downloading a file from BitTorrent, you're not only are you, you're you're not connecting to a central server somewhere, you're connecting to a bunch of other people on the internet who have the file already and you're taking chunks from all these people so you end up downloading it super fast and it's wicked cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a while ago BitTorrent released it, what is in a, in a sense a Dropbox clone. Um, so basically you, can, you install it on two of your computers um, and then you can sync files between them. So you can synchronize a directory on those two computers, and it'll stay up to date. And it works just like BitTorrent does. So it uses your just your machines as as the peers in this file distribution network, um, which was all well and good. But it was like until very recently, it was never good enough to. Um, I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't willing to replace my Dropbox with it because there was no mobile app. And then they released an Android app, but just recently they released an iPhone app too. So now I can sync with BitTorrent within my own private cloud that literally never has to touch the cloud. It can sync, It syncs directly from all your devices to It's like that other. rain cloud that just follows you around all day and just rains on only you all day long. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Um, and it is it is cool. It works pretty well. One of the things that's awesome is that if if your two devices are on the same Wi-Fi network, it is blazing fast because they're not hitting the network at all. Huh. It's just over Wi-Fi. So because I was I was I hit that problem yesterday. I was like, not a not a problem, but it just happened. Yes, yes, you could sync it to a hard drive. Um, I had I had my work laptop and my my home laptop and I was just putting this on my work laptop to have all my like important docs that I need access to all the time. Mm-hmm. And it it synced in like seconds, like you know it was a couple hundred megabytes of data in seconds. Um, yeah. And I didn't I didn't and I was trying to do it to my phone. It was taking forever and I could not figure out why. And then I realized that it was. It was taking the shortest possible route to my the other computer, which is 
over our, our wireless network because they were right next to each other. Um, so it's really cool. I actually, I made myself sort of a personal cloud. I have a, a VPS set up on DigitalOcean. There's also a Linux client um, that you can, that has like a web UI that you can log uh, into cool. and um, add files and stuff. So it is really cool. Um, there is... I, I is there a setting so that you can opt a computer out and make it only a client and not a server? So like... Like, my personal computer is really strapped for space, but a lot of my other ones aren't. Can I just make that one, like, an on-demand download this file when, only when I ask for it thing, like you can with uh, Google Drive? Mm, I'm not sure. Um, I know the iPhone app does that. Right, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, the mobile app. Yeah, because you couldn't, like, store 50 gigabytes of data on yeah, your iPhone. Yeah. And, I mean, you're also bandwidth constrained there, so you don't want to be downloading gajillions of things all the time. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you can do that with the desktop apps. Uh, I can look in preferences right now. This is cool. Um, I this don't is know. really there cool. Isn't... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see any option to do that. That doesn't mean that's not a thing. I'll look into uh, it. I'll get back to your preferences. Yeah, I don't see that as an option, um, but it is it is really useful. Um, cool. And I'm really I'm really excited about about working with this. It it is I mean, it's certainly not as easy as simple as Dropbox. There's there is a bit of a technical barrier, um, especially if you're doing it on Linux, but much less so if you're on Mac or PC. Mm -hmm. um, really, it's mostly you install the client and then you copy like. There's a each folder has this uniquely generated shared key that you just excuse me copy between your different machines. Um, actually, the mobile apps you can use a QR code and like scan it from your other computer. Your which favorite is, new uh, invention. Yeah, it's the only time a QR code has ever been useful ever, <laughs> literally ever. Um, yeah, but that's that's my story. You should check it out if you're if you're and all interested and or suspicious of Dropbox. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right. And it's possibly NSA proof since it doesn't have to pass through the public internet, maybe. Like backgrounds. Yeah. There you go. Unless the encryption standard has been defeated that they use, but right. or infiltrated. We can only hope. But that's a topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> maybe next week. Our topic <laughs> for today, however, would be moving on to Dan's pick. And uh, this is a pretty sweet one. We got to talk oyster. Yes, not so, the cracker. The not app. the cracker. Not the delicious seafood that you might put in some soups or eat raw off a shell if you're really crazy. Uh, but the much like uh, Steam could be the Netflix for video games. Oyster is the Netflix for books. So you pay $10 a month. They have some number of books. Uh, I don't know how many. Uh, but quite a bit. We can play this little thing. Here's what the UI looks like. You get tons of books. You can download 10 at a time onto your device. Uh, but you have access to as many as you want. So like, you could be reading 9 at a time and then swap the 10th one in and out. I don't know why you'd ever want to do that. 
but there's tons of books on there. The interface for reading is really nice, so I guess I'll just switch to my camera. They have, and they're not just crappy books either. I read the Starbucks book, which uh, was hilarious because I have to imagine that they knew what they were doing with all these puns, but maybe they didn't. There's lots of percolating. There's ideas percolating to the surface. There's things that are steeping in an awful lot. Uh, there's you know getting your hands dirty and digging in. I can't stop sharing this screen, which is awesome. Uh, maybe I'll start the screen share again. Maybe I'll press that button again. All right, cool. Anyways, <laughs> I guess this is what you guys are looking at the rest of the day. Uh, the the reading interface is really nice. It scrolls down in pages, which is surprisingly good. It has like the dictionary, and it has a nice chapter navigation and things like that. So it's pretty great. Uh, check it out. It's by invite only, but you request an invite, and I got one in a few days, so I don't think it's that constrained. Definitely check it out. Uh, I, I read a Starbucks book uh, called Onward, and now I'm reading Cryptonomicon, which I never have by Neil Stevenson, even though I've read his newer books, and this is supposed to be the seminal work. So that's pretty cool. So. I got those books for $5 a piece at this point. And if I can get through that one before the end of the month, I get even more bang for my buck. I feel like it's also like a challenge. Like you're racing. Right. And the other thing, because, yeah, because this is iPhone only, actually, weirdly enough, I typically prefer to read it on my iPad. But because it's iPhone only, I've been forcing myself to read more when I only have my phone, which is turns out most of the day, so like I'll just read throughout the day and on the subway and when I'm like, you know, just on a break at work or whatever. It's really nice. It, yeah, it makes me read a lot more. I don't have to like take the Kindle out or remember to take the Kindle or the iPad with me or keep that out on the bus uh, or the train. So it's really good. And now someone else start talking so you don't have to stare at the screen anymore. I'm always happy to talk, Dan. Um so uh, I am going to do, thank you, great, all three great picks. Uh, I am going to do our usual end of the episode cleanup stuff, but while I'm doing that, I'm going to ask the chat room to make their picks uh, for which of our picks they prefer. Uh, you can pick mine, uh, Seal Sticks, you can talk uh, BitTorrent Sync, or you can talk Oyster at oysterbooks.com. Uh, all three absolutely excellent. you got to check those out on the Internet. Uh, now on I want to th- on the internet. It's a cool the information superhighway. Um, I want to remind everybody that we are now on Monday nights, which is like the best kind of night. Um, so definitely check us out live 11 p.m. Eastern, uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, and all the other time zones included. Uh, we'll be there live online at our website. Don't panic. Io. You can click the Listen Live link and get the live video as well as our fantastic chat room. Uh, we love having you in there. We had a lot of great feedback during the episode tonight, uh, so thanks to those guys. Uh, and I also want to mention that if you can't listen live, listen after the fact. It's fine. Listen all week. It's there. Uh, Don'tPanic.io has all the recorded episodes, both video and audio for download. Subscribe to us. That's the best way to make sure you get our episodes every single week as they get published. Uh, I know I'm subscribing, and that's because I'm on the show. Do it. We're on iTunes now uh, and any other app that scrapes iTunes. Our RSS feed's going to be up on the website soon, so you can uh, 
go directly from there, use it on your favorite app of choice uh, on your respective device. And, of course, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash show for all the updates, including keep a lookout for this week. So if you couldn't watch the whole episode, uh, check out the two-minute drill. We'll be putting that up in a few days as well. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts before we roll out this week? Nope. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, it looks like, according to the chat room, our, our fans are in, and I think this week's winner uh, is BitTorrent Sync. So congratulations, Colby. You get some kind of minor victory. Um, but, I, no, I think that was wonderful, and I'm excited for Oyster Books uh, as well. I think that's a cool yeah. idea. Anything that's the Netflix model, as soon as you say that, I'm interested. <laughs> I want a lot for a little, so uh, sign me up. So, wonderful. Well, uh, thanks to Colby and Dan uh, for another fantastic episode of Don't Panic. Uh, And I suppose it's about time we end the show in the same way we do uh, by reminding all of the fantastic watchers and listeners out there to relax, take a deep breath, and don't panic because we will be back next Monday with another episode of Don't Panic.